This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to Reimagine Law, a podcast series here to help you learn about the huge breadth of careers within the legal sector. We aim to provide greater access to the profession with a behind the scenes view from those who work within it. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Julie Harris and Kathleen O'Reilly from BPP, and we'll be talking about tech skills in the legal sector and how these skills are incorporated into legal education. A warm welcome to you both, Julie and Kathleen. Um, Just to introduce you, Julie and Kathleen, we thought that our listeners would um, better understand where you fit into BPP. So I've got a little bit of a bio just to go through for both of you, and then we'll just kick off um, with, with our initial questions. So, um, Julie, Julie, you're head of um, law at BPP University Southeast, responsible for running of the law school in Cambridge. You qualified as a commercial property solicitor in the city, and you've actually been at BPP since 2009, teaching law and company law and comparative law. So welcome to you, Julie. Thank you. And Kathleen O'Reilly, you're head of law at BPP University Southwest, uh, responsible for running of the law school in Bristol, qualified as as a solicitor working in corporate and commercial work and actually as in-house counsel. And since 2013, you've been involved in higher education at various institutions with BPP in particular since 2020. Great time to join. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's a very infamous year. (laughs) Absolutely. And and past chair of the company law committee of the Law Society, you are as well. Um, you also keep yourself very busy because you write for Gore Brown on companies Westlaw and is a member of the uh, LexisNexis Advisory Board on Corporate Governance. And a very busy lady, Kathleen. Mm. It, it keeps me occupied. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking some time out today to talk to me. Really appreciate it, both of you. Um, and obviously, you know, today we're, we're really trying to bring to life what it really means in terms of um, in tech in law. Um, and I think we'll just start off with a really broad question about what do we actually mean when we talk about legal tech? What does it, what does it actually mean, Kathleen? Sure. I mean, there's, it can have a wide variety of meanings, but I think there are two key ones. First of all, uh, I would say it's about using technology, using software to assist with the provision of legal services, to make that process more efficient and to support the legal industry. And then I'd say that the second key meaning is really about, as you mentioned at the start, an alternative career pathway. Um, so I'd say those are the two main, main uh, references. Oh, great. Yeah, thanks very much. And, and so maybe we could bring this to life a little bit more and give some examples, perhaps, of the type of tech that we um, use in the legal sector and maybe how it's used. I don't know, Julie, whether you could kind of help bring that to life for us. Yeah, sure. So Kathleen said that legal tech is generally used to improve client services and to make legal work more cost effective and more efficient for clients. Um, So some of the the examples are actually ones that are already quite familiar to us. Mm -hmm. So the use of software for legal research, for example, Mm -hmm. um, using technology for e-signatures, um, and even things like accounting and, and billing time that, that um, lawyers need to do. Um, but I, I guess more recently, um, we talk a lot about artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and machine learning. Uh, you might have heard of natural language processing. 
um, or about smart contracts, about data analytics. Um, they're just a few of the main examples. Um, but just to go into um, something like artificial intelligence, which is a very general term, but but something like that has multiple uses in the legal profession. So it might be used to review documents in disclosure. Um, it might be used to analyze contracts or other types of documents um, for proofreading, um, for drafting contracts. Um, yeah, that's just a few of the very many examples. So does that mean that lawyers need to be tech experts then today, Kathleen or Julie, who wants to take that one? Um, I, I don't think that they need to be expert, um, experts in legal tech. Um, so for example, they wouldn't need to be able to be an expert in coding. Um, but I think, and particularly if we're thinking about newer lawyers entering the profession, I think it's important to start to understand how uh, legal tech can be incorporated mm -hmm. into day-to-day -day work. Um, and also to just get familiar with the language around legal tech um, and think about how tech can help you do your job. Um, so thinking for, for students thinking about the use of legal tech, they could maybe think about how technology could impact on clients, mm -hmm. how it can be used to help clients, um, and also just be the sort of person who can talk to both people on the legal side and people on the technical or the IT side. Um, I think it's also important to state that you don't, um, you, you've got to remember that technology generally helps with the mundane elements and mm. so therefore you shouldn't forget about the other skills that are so important for lawyers um, so being able to speak to people um, having bespoke drafting skills um, all of those other skills that we teach about and that lawyers learn about they're still really fundamental yeah, um, but having said that you know, just if you are a person who's already got um, a lot of technical experience mm -hmm. and you know about legal technology, then that's a real positive and you should be prepared to sell yourself and, and to highlight those skills mm -hmm. that, that you have because they'll be very useful. Yeah. And I think the world we live in now, everything's sort of grounded in some kind of digital world, isn't it? You know, and I think the, as you said, spotting those opportunities where you can bridge that gap be that translator, maybe even spot the opportunities of, uh, of, of creating more efficiencies um, by using technology to support the work you do um, is, is great because it's, I think a lot of lawyers in, in, in a future episode, we're going to talk about some future skills for the legal profession in a broader sense. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of lawyers now are looking for a lot more creativity in how they approach the world of, of, of law um, and, and clients are looking for that too, obviously. So yeah, really, really good point there that we're not expecting them all to suddenly become coders. Um, but it's just more of a mindset, I guess, really, isn't it? And just yeah. using the the, the um, skills you already have and have grown up with to um, in, in the world of, of um, the new sort of legal sector. Um, so if you wanted to follow um, a more sort of traditional legal route, you obviously still need to have some level of, of, of tech capability because of all the things that we were saying, Kathleen. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and really, I suppose it's just this builds on what you've just been saying. It is a digital world. Dig digital literacy is incredibly important. Um, there's also sometimes the perception that uh, the students of today who are going to be the lawyers of tomorrow, that they're um, 
digital natives and so that they're really familiar with all the technology that's out there and and will adapt but that's not necessarily and always the case and nor is it always the case that the partners in a law firm uh, are um, not tech savvy it, it, it can it can it really depends upon um, the particular circumstances but yes absolutely overall everyone needs to be aware of how useful tech is and of its uses and also how you can then take that into your career and develop your career further. Mm, mm, absolutely and, and again sort of the kind of skills that we're I guess we're looking for within the legal sector or, or firms are looking for in the tech space Could, have you got some examples that you know maybe our listeners might be familiar with just again just to help demystify that. Yeah sure I, I would say that you shouldn't underestimate just the the importance of everyday software skills just mm. to start with um and so something that's become extremely familiar to all of us is uh, the communication tools so skype zoom teams etc so mm. we we have or we've become accustomed to using those quite a lot but we need to understand their functionality um and then from a, a more written perspective um email etiquette is still extremely important. Good drafting skills are still necessary. Um, so they shouldn't be um, abandoned. Um, and then having an understanding of, of other, um, other elements that I think are really important. So cybersecurity, for example, that's clearly a, a big issue for lawyers and their clients. So how might you protect data and documents? How do you share documents? Um, how do you use cloud storage, for example? Mm. Um, and something that I, I've heard a lot from lawyers who've been in practice more recently than me is that something that we, we will, um, we've mentioned before um, is being willing to learn about um, the technology that might be available depending on where you, you're going to end up working, but just be willing to learn about it, be willing to help others understand how to use it um, and be adaptable. Um, so try things out, um, keep on top of what changes are coming in in terms of tech. Mm. Um, I think that adaptability is really important. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, it's, like you said before, it's, it's, it's sort of a mindset thing, isn't it? Being open to, to use and, and to spot opportunities. But then I think it's also really important what you said at the beginning there, that fundamentally tech is everywhere. So even if you're thinking about your emails, for example, you know, that is that's tech, you know, um, mm, and, yeah. and you can use the um, functionality within an email system, you know, like your to-do list or your tasks to help organise yourself and, and become more productive. Um, so those very simple things and Excel and PowerPoint, you know, lawyers will be using those for supporting the pitch presentations, for example. So all of these are just fundamental examples that aren't and shouldn't be scary to people coming into the profession because they're probably using them already, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously you're very well connected because you work with law firms um, and barrister chambers all the time. You know, you're, you're providing um, uh, legal um, education on behalf of your clients. Um, so what are you hearing from, um, you know, your solicitor colleagues, for example, about their use of, of, of tech within their businesses? Um, so it, to talk about um, firms um, and solicitor firms, mm. first of all, 
um, we, we've, we've said that it's, uh, it's extremely useful for saving time and money and improving efficiencies yeah. in how law firms act. Um, and like I said, there are the traditional uses such as um, research and, and time recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of um, examples that are being used increasingly, um, uh, quite often to help improve uh the process of repeat tasks mm-hmm. um, so for drafting contracts for example um, so that might uh, we, we mentioned smart contracts already mm-hmm. so using precedent documents um, to produce draft contracts more quickly um, so you might also use um, technology to review documents more quickly so it's just sort of analyze clauses find particular right. clauses that you're particularly looking for or that you might want to redraft um, you can use platforms for data management and for document management um, mm. and that might help in disclosure to group documents together to analyze particular documents because lawyers can that they, they might have to look through a huge raft of documents mm. in different transactions. And that obviously takes a lot of time. And so by using technology to support that, that can be a real time saver um, and make the process much more efficient for both the lawyers and then obviously for the clients as well. Mm. Um, solicitors might also use data analytics um, to present data to their clients, to analyze data for their clients. Um, and also, I've, uh, I know about um, uh, the initial process as well. Um, so doing compliance checks on new clients and, and onboarding clients, right. that can take yeah. quite a lot of administrative yeah, time. Sure um, so it, that in, technology can help to, to automate some of those elements as well. And um, some bigger law firms, are, uh, they are working with legal tech startups um, and they have their own legal tech innovation hubs mm-hmm. um, and they can provide either well, perhaps space um, or certainly advice and legal expertise to legal tech startups. Um, and that helps to fund the next generation of legal tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, Alan and Overy have um, their innovation hub. It's called Fuse. Um, Slaughter and May have Collaborate. Um, so they're doing some really exciting things um, with, with brand new technology coming through as well. That's really exciting, isn't it? Just to be in the forefront of that and be involved at that level and, and really understanding what the industry is needing and where it's heading. Um, yeah, really exciting stuff. Um, and so we've got um, a view there in terms of solicitor firms. But obviously, we mustn't forget that it's not just about solicitor firms, is it the legal, legal profession? So, Kathleen, I don't know whether do you have any insights around perhaps how barristers use legal tech? Yes, we have we have um, asked um, some of our barrister uh, contacts about this, and I think an initial starting point is that they are self-employed, and so if you like, they tend to work on in a slightly different way. Yeah. So those that do work on their own will be using the tech as much as we all would do to make make your own working life easier Mm. Um, and so the criminal barristers for example might work in a very different way to say a group of barristers from one set of chambers working on a civil litigation case um, where that might look more like the sort of approach that 
Julie was talking about with solicitors. So it will depend upon the work that they're doing. But I think that starting point that they're self-employed is, is important and makes a difference. Much as solicitors do, everyone seems to say the case management platforms are great. They really assist with their work. Mm -hmm. It's not just a case of diarising events. It also means that if, um, if you can't deal with a case, someone else can pick up that case and run with it, which is so important. Um, in addition, in terms of, so in terms of tech in the courtroom, there again I've had varying responses some people have said to me there's nothing quite like quickly cross-referencing through the white book that's in your hand and then others have said to me I don't even have a pen anymore yeah. I everything is done on the laptop or on my phone so quite quite different responses I'd say um, we did see we were talked about I think we touched upon 2020 being an interesting year yeah. earlier we did see of course online courtrooms um, mm. being used and really extensively mm. and they seem to have proved very popular on the whole um, now it looks as if they're more popular in the civil litigation area than say criminal that could okay. be for various if you like obvious reasons such as matters such as a defendant has to surrender to um, to the court witness handling some say it is some say it's it's more difficult if it's online others say well actually depending upon the witness if it's a vulnerable witness mm. there are advantages to yeah. that being online so quite a I'd say quite a mixed um, response um, and certainly um, it's being used across the board um, uh, and as, you, as we say there is there are distinctions between are we talking about online courtroom or are we talking about using tech in court mm -hmm. or in order to assist with your work but certainly tech um, tech being used in the courtroom um, the we, we've got the common platform now being used in the criminal courts um, and mm -hmm. I had a quick look um, and they say that as of 18th of July um, this year it has managed over 250,000 cases 56% of all criminal courts wow. um, and onboarded about a I think they say about a thousand firms so it's being yeah, used extensively yeah, yeah. like like any platform it has had its it has had some comments that it isn't always um as beneficial as it might be might might be liked but it but it's yeah certainly being used extensively mm. it certainly sounds like it's here to stay and and, and mm. like you say it's, it's about judgment I guess isn't it as to what's most appropriate given what you're dealing with at the time, given um, you know, who you're working with, the nature, like you say, of, of, of um, you know, your clients, et cetera. Yes. Um, and, and so maybe you're having to be a little bit more agile. Um, you're not necessarily fitting into a certain mold because it's, you know, you're, you're managing that for yourself or, or the ins that you're part of or have some kind of infrastructure around, but at the same time, you've got to be a bit more flexible. So that's that's really really is interesting insight. Thank you for that. <clears throat> um, I just I think I'd like to talk a little bit about BPP and what you offer in terms of the development of these kind of skills. But before we do that, what advice would you give to people who are looking to develop their tech skills in the context of becoming a lawyer? So I suppose the advice we would give, and and we have touched on this about 
getting really familiar mm. with um, PowerPoint, Prezi, mm. Google Drive, Excel, all, all the different types of software that will assist mm. you for, for the different tasks that you'll be undertaking. Um, and then we'd say, um, You'll also get the opportunity as a student to practice at, at, at the at law school, mm -hmm. researching online, drafting, yeah. using the precedents that we that, that, that are available. Um, and for example, at BPP, um, for quite a few years now, we've had on our LPC um, a, an optional legal tech innovation and design module oh, right. so that yeah. students can practice the, some of those skills. Um, we also have um, at BPP an outreach program and our pro that program, it's aimed at people looking to consider the legal profession as a career. Uh, we talk about legal tech in webinars within that program mm -hmm. and the program, if you like, it's all about key skills for lawyers, key things to think about if you're thinking of becoming a lawyer. And then we also have our bridge program as well. And that's um, where we've partnered with various universities to offer, and again, born out of the pandemic. Mm. So much of this was born out of the yeah. pandemic, wasn't it? Um, where um, we could see that there was a lack of um, vacation schemes and mini pupillages right. available for students. So we put together a program where they could carry out those tasks online, um, yeah. giving them great experience of tech mm. and also within that um, a specific legal tech module that I think Julie was key in designing oh. um, on AI, big data and process mapping. So yeah, so we're, we're doing lots to to bring bring students um, up to speed on everything that they, they, they will need to know in that field. Oh, brilliant. It sounds like there's a lot going on there at BPP and like you said, some of it born out of of the, the pandemic, but but also I think we were, we were well on that road anyway, weren't we, in terms of uh, legal tech pre-pandemic. I think it just gave it a bit of a push. Um, and we yeah, a lot, of, a lot of businesses outside of the legal sector included needed to turn things around a bit, a bit, a bit sharp, didn't they, um, um, because of the pandemic. Um, that's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Um, so just a final couple of questions, really, I think for me is around, you know, obviously, you're you're incorporating um, technology skills into your students' learning as well. So you've got the various programs we just talked about, but just sort of on a day-to-day -day basis, how how do you go about as a as a legal education provider incorporating um, those kind of skills within um, the way you teach? Sure. So the way that we teach, we have a virtual learning environment, mm. and within that um, virtual learning environment, we have the hub. We have adapt materials and we also have a virtual practice environment. Mm. So what we ask the students to do, um, we, we follow a particular type of learning mod model called prepare, apply, collaborate, consolidate. Right. And what happens is the students will be dealing with case studies that are very much based on real life. They'll be working either for a firm that's nationwide, regional, boutique a set of chambers or a government department mm. and they will get work sent to them via their virtual practice environment they'll be expected to undertake that work we will review it before they come into the classroom mm. so there is still some classroom activity and then they will work with their peers um, in the classroom to work on on tasks that are then allocated to them 
through the virtual practice environment again. So it's really getting the students used to the type of work that they'd actually be doing in, in practice. Mm. I either um, working for a solicitor's firm or working for um, a set of chambers as a barrister mm. to be to incorporate that right from the start into into their study. I think that's so important isn't it because it, it is about application after all and bringing it to life I suppose you know if you're just learning in a vacuum if you're just reading a book or studying online it's not it's not reality it's not what they're actually going to be experiencing when they become a lawyer or when they become you know they're training to become a lawyer so trying to bring that to life as, as you are I think is, is really enriching and and yeah a brilliant thing to be doing for them um, and obviously in a future episode we're going to be talking about um, the future of law as I said before in, in sort of a more holistic um, sense and and so I'm interested really to hear about how BPP helps students navigate the future of law because it's ever-changing isn't it I mean it's very difficult to keep up the the world at large is, is very complex at the moment and, and seemingly um very fast-paced and, and constantly changing I wonder I don't know Julie maybe you could um, start by just giving us a bit of an insight into how BPP supports students in in navigating that world and, and trying to kind of preempt what might be coming down the line yeah and as you said there's there's so many changes coming so quickly mm. and we are um, doing our best to respond to those and to empower students in their in their learning. So I guess an obvious um, point is assessments. That's something that's always an immediate concern for our students. And now that um, the assessment regime for both solicitors and barristers has changed, um, or and it and it is still changing. Mm. Um, um, so. Th- the use of multiple choice tests and centralized assessments via both the solicitors qualifying exam for solicitors and then um, the the centralized assessments um, in both civil and criminal litigation for barristers um, means that they need to get used to multiple choice tests Mm -hmm. so we uh, have weekly multiple choice questions um, uh, which are available to students in, in via those same platforms that Kathleen mentioned. And then students can have formative, so mock assessments and summative assessments in multiple choice um, regimes just to get them used to that. It's a very different way of, of answering ass- assessment questions. Mm. So we are doing our best to help students get as familiar with those types of questions as possible. Um, and we've talked a lot about adaptability already Um, but BPP is working with the O-Shape Lawyer Project um, to embed those values and those attributes that are really important Um, and those types of attributes can really be applied to tech skills Um, so being open-minded about technology um, taking opportunities uh, in the tech space Mm. um, so learning to use new types of tech, for example, letting go of the old types yeah. or, or just, you know, moving through as, as some technology is going to fall by the wayside, then other things will come in to replace it. So, yeah, we, we just want students to really think about the importance of continually learning, continually um, helping, helping colleagues with, with new tech and, and being adaptable and, and resilient when it comes to technology. Mm, brilliant. Thank you. Kathleen, did you have anything else to add to that one? 
I, I suppose really for me, just two things really that I wanted to add. We found um, in the pandemic that we had to, as you say, everyone had to quickly move business, um, etc. online. So we had to very rapidly move our uh, pro bono online um, online and we found that even when we were back face to face actually quite a lot of that is still online we've got various um, clinics providing legal advice to members of the public um, so that's um, in the area of both um, commercial work but as well housing and social welfare mm. and there's been huge advantages both for students and clients of those clinics for them being online um, much easier to access and also all of the students in our centres can take part in nationwide projects which is great um, so that's been really advantageous and then also with our careers uh, our career service what we have there is they introduced online mentoring so partnering right. students with people in law firms or mm. chambers and they actually had a fantastic response on that I think they've won an award for mm. it as well um, but the results in terms of inclusivity and enabling certain people who wouldn't have been able to actually get to a centre to access that service was just fantastic so um, some real benefits mm. um, there. Yeah, that's so I think those were the two I wanted to mention. <laughs> no, so thank you for mentioning them. No, that, that's, that's excellent. I think you were, like you say, there's so many um, reasons to use tech, but to, to actually add that kind of value to people that wouldn't otherwise have access, um, you know, to the profession, to learn about the profession, um, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? And and obviously the reason reimagine law is is in place is to do just that as well you know we are trying to Absolutely. provide that, that that greater access um and you know obviously po po hey we're using tech right now we're <laughs> 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 using podcasts um so i really, really appreciate your time i know our time's coming to an end now um we will obviously be put, putting together some show notes for this podcast um and what we tend to do as well is just um end with you know one one piece of advice if you were to give our listeners one piece of advice you know, or a key takeaway what what would it be um and we'll package that up um we'll put together some resources for for our listeners as well as part of the podcast and um, through the various podcast channels um and you know we'll, we'll be pushing this out obviously through those channels in the not too distant future so i mean i don't know maybe maybe julie i can come to you what, one one piece of advice one nugget what would you what would you offer um i would say to just be open-minded mm. about technology i think it for some people it it's it can be intimidating yeah. <laughs> you can worry about the things going wrong but i think there are there are so many uses for it um and you're certainly not expected to know about every single one of them mm. but th there will be a an area of interest um within the tech space for you so just be open-minded and um and be receptive yeah to what you can learn about it again that's that, that sort of curious mindset piece which uh, mm -hmm. again speaks to the o-shaped lawyer doesn't it yeah the, the curiosity yeah. great and kathleen um yes i guess following on from that it's all about being agile and adaptable um and embracing the changes don't mm -hmm. be afraid of them and also 
being resilient <laughs> as well um, sometimes you don't always get quite the instantaneous response sometimes with some of the some text so you know be resilient about these things too so um yeah I think that's what I'd say great thank you thank you so much for bringing this to life for our listeners really really appreciate it. there's lots of examples in there and um you know I've really enjoyed our conversation today um, and as I said, we'll, we'll be writing up these show notes that accompany the, uh, the podcasts. Um, and there's lots of resources around this um, topic, I think, that, you know, we can, we can add to that. So thank you so much again for your time. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll look forward to hearing about how BPP continue to progress their thinking on this, because it seems like you're, you're right up there in the forefront of, of developing tech within the way you teach as well. Um, and supporting you know your students through this whole journey so thanks again thank you thank you